Welcome back, fam. This is the EJT Show. My name is Erica Jordan Thomas, also known as EJT. And today's episode is all about boss boundaries. What boundaries do you need when you become the boss? When you're promoted to be the principal, how must your boundaries shift? I am going to share with you why you must redefine your boundaries as the boss. I'll give you three types of boss boundaries you should redefine for yourself now that you've leveled up and give you a few examples of my boss boundaries. Now, even if you're listening and you're an aspiring school leader, I believe today's episode will still be extremely valuable for you because it will give you a few things to begin thinking about as you prepare for your transition into formal leadership. So let's start with why you must redefine your boundaries when you become the boss. Well, an easy mistake to make when you're promoted into a leadership role is assuming that you can do everything you did before the exact same way. And this is a mistake. It's an avoidable mistake. Being promoted into a leadership role will require you to go through a mental promotion, or in the words of Sierra, you must level up. You must go inward and determine in what ways your new leadership role will require you to level up. You now have more responsibility. There will be some things you did before that you may continue, but there will be some things that you can no longer do. There will be some things you did as a teacher that if you did as a school leader, you would not be effective. As an assistant principal or principal, you will have to think different. You will have to move different. Your perspective will be different. And it's not about getting brand new. It's about acknowledging that you've elevated in your leadership. You've leveled up. And leveling up includes redefining your leadership boundaries now that you're the boss. And there are three types of leadership boundaries I believe you will need to redefine with your new responsibility as the boss. And I'm going to walk you through each one of these leadership boundaries and give you a few examples of what these boss boundaries looked like for me. Now, before I share... I want to preface that these boundaries that I'm sharing were my own. So they may work for you as is, they may not. So take what makes sense for you, feel free to put your little sauce on it, and use your own judgment on how to apply these boss boundaries to your context. The key point in today's episode is that you get really clear on in what ways you must mentally level up through redefining your new boundaries in order to be successful in your new role. So let's jump into it. JT's boss boundary number one is task boundaries. So there's something really interesting that happens when you become promoted to being the principal and the boss. It's like overnight, people just become convinced that you know everything. And it doesn't matter how big or small that thing is, people think you have the answers to everything and you do everything. So let me make this real with an example from my life as a principal. Now, I was the assistant principal at the same school where I served as principal, 
So the differences in how people treated me when I became the boss were so real because I was working with the same people before and after my promotion. All of a sudden, as soon as I became the principal, people were coming to me for everything. People came to me when they needed new textbooks, when a bus was late, when there was a discipline issue in the neighborhood, when the AC was out on the hallway, when the media center needed new furniture. I mean, everything. People expected that I had the answers to everything. And usually there was two possible scenarios. Scenario number one, which was about 20% of the time, was that that person's question or concern was actually my responsibility. But then scenario number two, which is actually about 80% of the time, was that what that person was asking me for, asking about, was actually the responsibility of someone else in the building or someone I manage directly. And I may or may not have the answer, but if I created this pattern of actually giving the answer to this question or request that was someone else's job, then I was creating this habit amongst my school community of coming to me about tasks that were actually someone else's role. So let me clarify here and just be clear, because I don't want there to be a misconception. As a principal, you are responsible for managing everything and being aware of what's happening in your building. And I do believe as a principal that you're not above everything or above anything. There are some things that you just need to jump in and get it done. And the key piece is knowing that there is a really fine line between just getting it done and actually doing the job of too many people all the time. You are not responsible for doing everything. And if you try to do everything, you wouldn't get anything done well. And that also includes ensuring that kids get the instruction that they deserve. So I learned very quickly as a principal that I had to put task boundaries in place. And The reality was is that the questions or concerns people had were absolutely valid. And most of the time they were asking me because they didn't know who else to ask. So I needed task boundaries to ensure people were going to the right person and they weren't always coming to me for things that were someone else's responsibility. I also needed to ensure that I stayed focused on my priorities because I was the only principal. So if I drop the ball on my principal responsibilities, there's no one there to pick it up. So I had to stay focused on what my role was. So there was a system I put in place to support my task boundaries, and I'm going to share it with you so that way you can use it. So JT's task boundary tip is to create a first responders list. Now, I got this idea from a time management training I went to years ago. A first responder list basically makes it clear who are the points of contact for different areas within your building. So to create a first responder list, the first thing you want to do is brainstorm a list of all the tasks that folks ask you about that actually fall underneath someone else's role. And you want to be as generative as possible. So this list might be really, really long, and that is completely okay. You'd rather identify every single area so that way there's no confusion rather than leaving something off and people not know who to go to so they end up coming to you. So once you have your list, I then want you to go through and identify 
who should be the first point of contact for that area if people have questions or concerns. And whoever that person is, that person is the first responder. And then I want you to identify two backups because you know the way of the world, how it works in schools. There will be a day that that person will be sick or absent. So you want to make sure that you have a backup in place and a backup that makes sense. So once you identify those two backups, in case your first responder is absent or busy, those next two people will be your second and third responder. So let me give you a quick example. On my list, one of the areas I had was seventh grade bullying concerns, and the seventh grade counselor was the first responder for that area. My seventh grade BMT, which stood for a behavior modification technician, was the second responder. And then the third responder was the seventh grade assistant principal. So if anybody in the building, any stakeholder had a question or concern around something that was a seventh grade bullying issue, they knew to first go to the seventh grade counselor. If that person was unavailable, then they would go to the seventh grade BMT. If that person should be unavailable, then they would go to the seventh grade assistant principal. So I was not the first responder. In this case, I was actually the fourth responder. So making those things super clear. So once I had brainstormed all the different areas and their first responders, I put all this information into an Excel spreadsheet. I touched base with everyone that I had listed as a responder. So that way they knew they were listed as a responder. And I was clear, they were clear that they knew what their responsibilities were for that area. Then I shared this first responder list with staff during a staff meeting, so that way they knew the purpose behind it, they knew how to access it, as well as how to use it. And then I sat down with my secretaries, had a meeting with them, and trained them on how to use it, so that way they could use our first responder list when dealing with parent questions and requests. So that's our task boundaries. And JT boss boundary number two is social boundaries. So when you are promoted and you become the principal, you must identify your social boundaries. You cannot socialize with your staff the same way that you did when they were your colleagues. When you become the boss, there's also this like magical spell that falls over your staff and you are now the leader, so everything that you do, they will interpret through the lens of you being the leader. So before you were the boss, you could walk down the hallway and mind your own business. Now that you're the boss, when you walk down the hallway minding your own business, people may assume that you're mad at them and you don't like them because you didn't speak and say hello. I know it sounds crazy. But I promise you, it happens. It has happened to me before. And you have got to be aware of the new light that your staff views you in, and you have got to be proactive. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be yourself. Absolutely not. I'm saying that you have to be aware of the misinterpretations people are more likely to make about your words and actions now that you're the leader, and you have to be proactive around avoiding them. So given this, there were a couple of social boundaries I put in place that I'm going to share with you. The first JT social boundary that I had as a principal 
was if I was invited to any type of staff social, whether it was after school or happy hour, a uh, birthday gathering or whatever, I had a one drink limit and I was gone by eight o'clock. As I mentioned before, you are now the leader. You have a different level of visibility. People are now more likely to assign meaning to everything that you do. My one drink minimum was out of the spirit of never putting me in a situation where others could view my leadership in a way that would be compromised. And even if I could handle two drinks, I never wanted to put myself in a situation where folks could say the principal was throwing them back. Absolutely not. And then I also learned that eight o'clock was that time when usually the gatherings would get a little turned. Like eight o'clock was when folks had gotten comfortable, a few drinks had set in, and I would make sure that I would leave before things got all the way live. And I absolutely want my staff to have a good time. They deserved to have a good time because they worked extremely hard. And for me as the leader, I knew that I was never off the clock in the eyes of my staff. It's kind of like when you were a teacher and your kids saw you at the grocery store. When I'm walking around in Walmart as a teacher, they did not see me as Erica. My students saw me in Walmart as Miss JT. You're not just a person anymore. People still see you in your role. And that's the same thing that happens when you're the leader. People still see you as the principal, even if school is over, even if it's the weekend. So if something goes down at the staff social, people are looking to you to regulate, whether you want to or not. If someone gets a little too loose and they know the principal was there, then there's this opportunity for someone to make up a story about how you may have judged them. And that might be the reason why their evaluation ratings were the way that they were. Again, it sounds dramatic, but y'all, it happens. Save yourself the headache and the drama. Get you some social boss boundaries and a principal curfew. I promise you, you will not regret it. And then our final JT boss boundary number three is time boundaries. School leaders are responsible for so much. I'd argue too much. Being a school leader is one of the most rewarding jobs on this planet, and school leadership will suck the life out of you if you let it. I had to have boundaries with my time to ensure that I was investing in myself in order to sustain myself. Two examples of time boundaries for me included first having at least two days a week that I would leave right after dismissal. And I would work with my APs to ensure that someone could stay after school in case there was a late bus or an issue. But this allowed me just to be able to dip right after dismissal. And this would just give me time during the week to be human. Like I could go to the gym, I could run to the grocery store, maybe grab something to just make a bomb dinner for myself. Or maybe I want to go to my monthly therapy appointment. It gave me an opportunity to live my life during the week. And the second time boundary I put in place for myself was giving myself time to plan. Now, I've heard some school leaders say, if kids are in the building, then I absolutely cannot be in my office because kids are only in the building for a limited amount of time. And while I understand the spirit behind this thought, 
This mindset also positions you as the leader to overwork because you have to push other tasks after school and potentially on the weekends. So I realized that I had to carve out time during the day for me to plan. Teachers get planning periods. And as the principal, I needed a planning period too. I would give myself a total of about two to three hours every week in my office uninterrupted during the day just to plan. And this gave me less to have to do after school or on the weekends. And also in the spirit of having planning time, I would arrange an off-campus planning day for myself once a quarter during the week just to give me time with a clear mind, without a walkie-talkie, without folks knocking on my door, just to get really meaningful work done. And so I know this might make you nervous as a principal to either be out of your building or to be offline during the school day planning, but it is not unreasonable as a principal to strive to get your work done during the week. You deserve to have a weekend and a free evening. I definitely recommend if time boundaries is something you're more interested in to check out my other episode around self-care like a boss, just to give you some other ideas around how you can prioritize your time to give yourself a little bit of care. So that's all for today, folks. Be sure to follow me on social media to be the first to know when new content drops and let me know what you think about today's episode. I'm curious around what your boss boundaries look like. So you can follow me on Twitter and IG at E underscore Jordan Thomas and on Facebook at EJT Consulting LLC. Until next time, good people.